Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. It's Thanksgiving. Don't be a turkey, you stupid gobble gobble. Ooh, I want to drink. I want to go hang out with my friends on Wednesday. I'm back in my hometown. Oh, there's that girl that didn't like me in high school. Guess what? She still doesn't like you. Drinking more is not going to help it. Your hometown might not even have an Uber or taxi service. So then you're like, oh, I'm going to drive. Don't do it, dummies. But if you do and you find yourself needing legal, legal, legal representation, do a smart thing. Call Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm, East Tennessee's premier DUI defense, criminal defense, and personal injury lawyer. GarzaLaw.com. Even on the holiday, they'll answer phone calls 24-7, 365. GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. Let's get to another victory episode following a beatdown in the trenches. The final score was close, but we beat them down. Tennessee beat the hell out of Missouri. Let's talk about it. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to the unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another victory edition of Reed's Ranch. Monday, November 25th, Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth Hughes? Not much, John. How you doing? You sound like shit. Thank you. How you feeling after a Tennessee victory? Good. I feel good. It feels good to feel good. It feels good to like have a sustained run of success, a sustained run of feeling good after games, especially road games, man. Winning back-to-back SEC road games as underdogs. We just keep winning. We just keep covering. Uh, my Titans keep winning. They keep covering. It's a great time to be a sports fan right now. Yeah, it was a it was a fantastic sports weekend for you. My Vols are hot. My Titans are hot. Hawks suck, but that's okay. That's all right. I'll sacrifice that for now. You're finally getting um, good quarterback play. Both teams. After lamenting, you know, how easy it is to score points in 2019 and now their team's scoring points, now all of a sudden both teams are scoring points. Now I have Ryan Tannehill, who is clearly a top five quarterback in the AFC, and I have uh, one of the best redemption stories in college football with Jarrett Garantano. Before we get started on anything, I want to say two things. One, you were right about going nine and three. Two, we were right last year in all offseason to defend Jarrett Garantano. People hated him last year. They hated him all offseason for no reason. 
We've been over it before. Last season, all he did was go back there and get the shit knocked out of him every single game, and he did not complain once. He never turned the ball over, and and he provided pretty good quarterback play. In the first half of this year, he was absolutely abysmal, and there's no reason to rehash it, but that's obviously not the quarterback that he is. He's back to being improved over last year, and we were right about him. We were right to defend him. One of the worst things about him being terrible was that all the mouth breathers that hated him for no reason were proven right. But not so fast. We were actually right to defend him nonstop. He's not a perfect quarterback. Nobody ever claimed he was. But he's not that bad. That was a good defense Saturday night, and he shredded them. Nine completions of over 20 yards. 415 yards passing. Seth Corso just hit him with a not so fast. He's he's developed somewhat of an internal clock, and he knows to take off and run now. He's still slow as shit, but that's okay. He gets five yards instead of getting sacked and fumbling. Yeah, he gets five yards instead of getting absolutely leveled. He cannot throw a swing pass if his life depended on it. Stop but calling okay. them, Jim Chaney. Stop calling the swing passes. He cannot do it. Seriously, stop it. Like there's He can't do it. But we were right about him. We were right to defend him all last year and all offseason. The people that pined for Keller Christ, were, that was so weird. They were weirdos because there was nothing to ever justify the Keller Christ love. But they hated Garantano and they bitched about him all year and all offseason. And they really enjoyed it seemingly when he sucked. And you even still had people talking about Saturday, I don't care about the stats, blah, blah, blah. It's Garant- Garantano played awesome Saturday. He wasn't perfect. He's not a perfect quarterback. He doesn't. I, I don't know what it is. Whenever he misses, he misses bad. It, it's, it's very odd that his misses are just absolutely horrific. When he throws a good pass, obviously it's, good, it's a good pass. When he throws a bad pass, boy, is it bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's too far for it's too far away for even a defender to intercept it sometimes because he's six yards high on it or four yards to the left. Why do you think he played so bad at the beginning of the year? I don't know. I, I, don't I would know. like an explanation I, on that because, you know, it was frustrating because, like you said, everyone who was wanting for, to see him fail saw him fail. And everyone who was rooting for the team to do well was also frustrated because they were getting shitty quarterback play. And this was a easy schedule. Obviously, the first two games should have been easy, and Tennessee was embarrassed the first two weeks. That was really embarrassing. That was a really bad September. And I would like an explanation for what the hell happened. Yeah, I mean... I- it's truly unbelievable. It's it's something it, it's something that honestly would only happen at UT. Like this only happens at Tennessee. Like we were talking about, I remember saying this after the Auburn game last year. How excited I was that we had two and a half years left with him. And the first, you know, for the first four games he he it was a different person out there at quarterback. And, I mean, 
it's just an awesome, it was really awesome to see that interview with Cole Kublik Saturday night. Because I don't know how anybody can watch that and not just like, like, that was as pure as it gets. Him getting emotional and him talking about how hard the year has been. And it was just as awesome as it gets. I mean, you know, we pretty much for the last month or whatever haven't even talked about, there's just, you know, how bad he was. There's no reason to rehash it. It's over. Like, he's been dunked on enough by people and by people who have reveled in his in his mishaps. Like, but for those of us who are normal and didn't revel in his mishaps, how could you watch Saturday night, that interview with Cole Kublik, and not, like, just feel really, really, really good for him because he went through some shit, man. His whole family moved to Tennessee. He was the guy. Last year, he was the guy all offseason. And those first two losses are on him. I don't think they're fully on him. They're not fully on him. History history is going to show that it was his fault. Uh, Obviously, if you go and you look at the first play of the Georgia State game, that was a god-awful swing pass, but... I can't imagine that that's some a pass he easily makes in practice and then just doesn't do well in a game. I, I would imagine this is also a shitty swing pass in practice too, but you know, that was bad. The interceptions at the end of the game were bad. I thought the BYU game was much, much more of his fault. But yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. I give him credit and Pruitt said the same thing. Uh, the guy didn't quit whenever he got benched. He could have easily said, you know, Volquest, you know, had said, hey, he might wouldn't be surprised if he enters the transfer portal, especially after the Alabama game. I was like, hey, wouldn't be surprised. I, I tweeted out, this is the last play you're going to see from Garantano. Garantano, excuse me, i got to put some respect on his name. Uh, and he fought through it, and we laughed when Pruitt said he's going to help us win games, and he has helped us win five games since then. So uh, got to give credit where it's due. I'm pumped to be on a win streak. Like I said, it's not so much just that – Tennessee's winning. I think Tennessee has been the best team in every one of these games. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's something that we also talked about was that as awesome as the Auburn game was, like if you flipped a coin 10 times, Tennessee wasn't beating Auburn the majority of the times last year probably. They caught Auburn at a really good time. Yeah, that was something that was set up perfectly for Tennessee to win. These like... These last couple games, I mean, like, the Kentucky game was set up the total opposite of the Auburn game was last year. Like, Kentucky had that game set up perfectly. They were off a bye week. We were tired. And, like, Tennessee's just been straight up better since the Mississippi State game. None of these games were flukes. None of these were off the ball, bounces a different way, or, wow, that was a fluke play. It hasn't really happened. Tennessee is... Won them in a variety of different ways, like between Mississippi State, just, hey, we're going to shut you down and grind out a victory to South Carolina. We're going to get some big plays. And Kentucky was, well, we're going to get off to a shitty start, but we're going to rally and make adjustments. And then Missouri was just like, hey, we're going to line up. We're better than you. You can't score. We're going to do what we want through the air against your good defense. So, like, it's been four different types of wins, but they've all been impressive in their own way. And all the national media and people who are like, hey, pump the brakes. These are just four bad teams. Eat shit, because Tennessee were underdogs in all four of those games. So somebody thought that Tennessee was going to lose those games, right? This isn't like, oh, wow, Tennessee lined up and played scrubs. No, uh, the betting public, the, the odds makers, the people in preseason predictions, 
they all thought Tennessee was going to lose the majority of those games, and Tennessee clean swept and went 4-0. Like, the SEC East is statistically the third hardest division in college football, okay? None of us are saying it's as good as the SEC West or it's as good as the Big Ten East. But it's the third hardest division in college football. And you can't just totally... I guess you can. They've proven that they can. But you shouldn't be able to talk shit about Jeremy Pruitt nonstop over losing those first two games. And then when he turns it around and he beats teams that were supposed to be better than him, you're not supposed, you, you shouldn't be able to just say, oh, well, he's beaten a lot of bad teams. Okay. Nobody's saying these teams are world beaters. They were all, they were all outside of UAB favorites, and even UAB was a game that everyone was like, "Oh, this is going to be tough. This is a quality opponent." Tennessee was only nine point favorites, and Tennessee smacked the hell out of them. Before Tennessee can ever do anything really important in college football, they have to be able to beat South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. Like, because as we saw in 2016, even when you beat Georgia and Florida, it doesn't matter if you turn around and lose to South Carolina and Vandy. You end up in the Music City Bowl playing Mike Riley in Nebraska. So before, like, anything else can happen, you've got to be able to beat those teams. And nobody's saying that they're as good as LSU or Alabama. Like, nobody's saying that, but we were underdogs in all four games. Two of them were on the road. We played, what, six straight games? Going into the the Kentucky was our sixth straight game. Like, it was on the road. I mean, it's, it's either one or the other. Like, you have to be able to say, it's fair to say this. Jeremy Pruitt, it was inexcusable to lose the first two games. Okay, duh, everyone's past that. We all know that. But the coaching staff, the player, something happened. And it was a totally different team because the team that lost to Georgia State and BYU don't go to Kentucky and win. They don't go to Missouri and win. They don't beat Mississippi State at home. They don't beat South Carolina at home. They might not even beat UAB. And I would say they don't go to Alabama and have a chance to win. Yeah. Which is also important to remember in this in this run is like Tennessee, I'm not going to say went toe-to-toe with Alabama, but there were chances that Tennessee could have taken the lead and maybe won that game after Tua went out. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's maddening. Like, they, like we've been over it. They're not going to ever give Jeremy Pruitt credit until, like, he really wins something, and that's fine. But they shouldn't be able to get away. Like, bald dork Matt Hayes should not be able to get away with saying, oh, he beat a bunch of crappy teams. Especially whenever you say we're, you're going to go 3-9 and nine after the first two games. Like, everyone had penciled in Tennessee's going to win three games at most and how the schedule was going to undo him and go look at people's tweets. Like, uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about Peter Burns because he's always been kind to me and doesn't really hate Tennessee too much. But, like, he had a tweet circulating about how Tennessee was going to be, like, 1-7 after this stretch and going to get Pruitt maybe fired. And, like, he was just one of many people who said stuff like that. 
and you know, then you can't turn around and then say, well, you haven't beaten anybody. Because those are the same teams you said were going to beat Tennessee and get Phil Fulmer back in charge on the sidelines as head coach. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like where's Pete Tamil at? How about we call Pete Tamil up to the carpet about that article? Because all he's been doing is he's been talking, he, he, he retweeted the Sean Schamberger clip, but he didn't have anything to say about his article talking about how Fulmer was going to fire Pruitt so he could take over. Like, where is that? Like, you shouldn't be able to say something like that and just slink away like a coward. Because that's what these guys are. They're acting like cowards. Address it, you cowards. Address it. Like, all you have to do is say, hey, it was inexcusable to lose those two games, but I tip my hat because Pruitt and the team didn't quit, and here they are on the cusp of going to a New Year's Day Bowl. All you have to say is, good job, that undoes a lot of the damage at the beginning of the year. You don't even have to credit Pruitt. You just say, wow, good turnaround, way to save year two for Jeremy Pruitt. You don't have to say, wow, what a great job, he is the second best year two coach in college football. You don't have to go that far and say that, even though, I would say Tennessee fans are happy happy uh, with Pruitt at a level that none of these other schools outside of Florida can say that they are with year two coach. So you, you don't have to go and do a cartwheel and talk about how great he is or throw a parade because most Tennessee fans aren't doing that either. We're happy. Now we know that like, hey, you kind of fucked up and messed up the beginning of the year. We're not saying to give him a lifetime contract or wow, look at all you idiots. You were so wrong. We're just saying, hey. Maybe tip your hat and say the guy that we called a buffoon and said that Fulmer was going to replace and run this big coup, he saved the season. He saved it. He's going to have uh, the best SEC record, uh, the, you know, tied for best since 2007. And uh, he, he tied, you know, everyone's favorite, Butch Jones. You know, they all loved Butch Jones, and uh, Pruitt did that in year two. Whenever it looked like they were going to win three games this year. I... I- I don't think Tennessee fans like are saying Jeremy Pruitt is the greatest or whatever. I think that they're saying, hey, you started out about as bad as possible and you did pretty much the one thing you could do to get out of the hole. Like you had to go on a tear. Like we talked about it before the Kentucky game. All the goodwill that he had built up by like winning these games and stuff, like it didn't matter if like he lost to Kentucky because the Kentucky game, yeah, Tennessee had everything going against it, but it's simply a game that Jeremy Pruitt wins if he's worth a shit, and he won. And I pretty, I pretty much feel the same way about last Saturday night. It was a game that Jeremy Pruitt wins if he's worth a shit. I'm not saying that he's going to win championships. I'm just saying if he's not adult, if he has a pulse at coaching, he wins Saturday night. And he went out there and won. Missouri emptied the clip with trick plays. Both of them were successful. They headhunted on defense. We lost our best defensive lineman at the beginning of the game. Like, we still won. Our starting right tackle couldn't play. Bryce Thompson had, like, a damn cast on his knee. He looks like young Forrest Gump out there. We won. That's all that mattered. Like, it was a game, like... Henry Toa Toa had like a knee, elbow. His whole body was in a brace. Tennessee won because it was just a game that if Jeremy Pruitt is worth anything at coaching, he wins this game. Forget about Georgia State and BYU, whatever. Like, 
these last couple games in the SEC, they weren't gimmies, but they were games that Tennessee would have lost in the past. For the last 10 years, Tennessee would have lost these games outside of a couple years, like Kiffin, the one year you had Kiffin, and then 2016 with Butch, maybe. I mean, you still lost South Carolina, but like these are games that UT's lost for a long time. Like you said, this is the first plus 500 record in the SEC since 2007, and Jeremy Pruitt went out there and he won. And he won. Like he did what he was supposed. He did what he was supposed to do. I say it when it's good. I say it when it's bad. I try to judge mostly just off your SEC record. Like I mean, beating up on these teams, beating up on BYU and Georgia State wouldn't have done much for me. I would have said, "Hey, I'm going to judge you on your SEC record." Uh, obviously, when you shit the bed, it looks bad. Don't get me wrong, and you know Oklahoma will be a little bit different than than usual next year. But he's still pretty much playing with house money in that regard. To me, I'm going to judge him in year three about what he does in the SEC. And four games. Let's assume they're going to beat Vanderbilt. Five games. You 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 beat the teams that you were comparable with, and. Yeah. I think he could have. Uh, I think he could have withstood a Missouri loss, like a close loss there. Like I think we'd have been okay if we had gone six and six. Like we wouldn't have been as excited. Don't get me wrong, but I think we'd have been okay. And instead, they went out and they won that finally that extra game that kind of put you over the hump a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like hey, you can get by with six and six, but why not go out and win seven? Why not go out and try to do that? Exactly. Like it was just, man. Like you know, all of like the 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 positive. The steps forward the program has taken, the positive, I know you hate this word, the positive momentum that the program had kind of been on a sustained run with since Mississippi State, like that wasn't going to come to a screeching halt if you lost Saturday night. I believe in program momentum, just for the record. But, hey, you know, it was a winnable game, and we went out and won it. And it just, why not just keep winning? I mean, and we went out and won it, and like, I mean, yeah, Pruitt still seems a little weird with the clock management at the end of halves. I don't really get it. Um, and we had another big play where we came out of a timeout with 12 men on the field. That sucks. You know, I don't know how we're coming out with 12 men. I don't think Pruitt coached a very good game on Saturday. That's okay. You still win. I said it on voluntary action. Winning is the best cologne, like... If you win, you don't worry. You don't nitpick and worry about little things. When you lose, all that stuff gets magnified. I don't care that you had 12 men on the field. You were able to overcome it. Your team played hard for you. You were able to overcome it. I don't think Pruitt had a good game by any means, uh, but they they won, so I don't care. I'm not going to nitpick any parts of that performance from him. I'm going to celebrate the good performances from all the players. Yeah, I mean, you don't expect an A-plus performance every single game coaching but what you do expect is him to be good enough to say you know when things go against us and him and he's not on his a game well we're still good enough to beat missouri and that's a team that tennessee hasn't been able to beat the team that beat you 134 the last two years yeah you know they they did the trick plays we dominated them yeah they 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 got lucky they were aggressive they got kind of lucky in the first half and you were still down at halftime yeah. I mean, I thought that, like, the second quarter was honestly, was obviously, like, the best the offenses looked all year. I mean, they were just lights out. 
um, in the second quarter. I thought that like going for the score at the end of the first half was was really good. Like, I think I'm we kind of got lucky there with the uh, the ref spotting that first run for a first down. I really think it was only nine yards. For some reason, they gave us the extra yard for a first down, which then kind of incentivized us to go for it because I really think Pruitt would have been content to run the clock out if they had rolled it second and one. Tennessee outgained them 526 to 280. That was a beautiful game. Tennessee dominated them. Larry Roundtree, who has just eaten UT for lunch the last two years, had 16 carries for 43 yards. They had 99 yards rushing as a team. They averaged 2.7 yards per carry. They had 181 yards passing. Kelly Bryant's quarterback rating was 31.9. It just feels good to be able to tell every SEC fan that we played, except, obviously, the three we lost to, to eat shit. It feels good to be able to be like, hey, you can laugh about Georgia State, you could say whatever, but everyone else in the SEC East lost to us. Mississippi State, you're not going to beat us anytime soon. Like You're going to have to wait a long time to get your shot. And we're going to finish in the top half of the SEC. We're not going to be a laughing stock. I hope that recruiting eventually picks up. I hope apparently there's some good momentum with that Omari Thompson. Is it Omari? Uh, yeah, Thomas. Thomas, I about said Thompson. Yeah. There's some good momentum there. It's a defensive line that we need. Hopefully we can grab a couple more key players. Hopefully that picks up. But the basketball team's top 20. The football team has a chance of being in the top 25 if they win these next two games. And I have zero complaints right now. It's a good way. It's just, it's been a long time since Tennessee has been able to go up against these teams that are middle of the pack of the SEC and beat them in a row. Like, just go on a tear through an SEC schedule. And even when things weren't going our way, I mean... We were clearly better than Kentucky and Missouri. And Tennessee should be better than both of those programs. Tennessee hasn't been for a long time. Kentucky won 10 games last year. Tennessee hasn't won 10 games in a long time. Um, Tennessee was a lot better than Kentucky on the road. They played a lot better than Kentucky. They did some dumb shit. They did some dumb shit Saturday night. Pruitt did some dumb stuff. Oh, well, we beat them. You're going to end up beating the five teams that you should have beaten in the SEC. When was the last time Tennessee could say that? Long, long time. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reads Ranch. I messed up last week. Not going to mess up this week. I got some shout-outs to give to some new patrons. Starting with new $5 patron, Darian Reasonover. Shout-out to Darian. We love you, buddy. Thank you. New $5 patron, Zach. Shout out to Zach. We love you. Clint Spano edited his pledge from $2 to $5. Shout out to Clint. We love you. And Michael McFarlane edited his pledge from $5 to $25. What was his name? I'm sorry. Micah. Micah. <laughs> I said he just edited his pledge from $5 to $25, and all you heard was the money. All you heard was the money sign. No, you I heard cha-ching. You didn't, wor- you didn't know his name. But Micah. Micah McFarlane. I love Micah. I've met Micah. He's great. I just didn't want to screw up his name. Micah knows that I love him. Thank you, Micah. I appreciate it. I didn't want to screw up his name because I wasn't sure that I heard you correctly. 
because I was looking at my phone. Micah upped this pledge because he said on Talk Sports, I've been giving out winner after winner after winner. You have been. When you don't need a 401k if you listen to Talk Sports. That's right. That's right. Good call by you, Seth. All right, let's get Liquify to Liquify that 401k and just go with your picks. I don't know if I could co-sign that, but it was, it's worked for Micah so far. That's all I'll say. All right, let's go uh, with some questions. You got any questions that caught your eye? Um, yeah, somebody asked what the worst part of Thanksgiving is, except for um, excluding love life talk with relatives. To me, this is an easy answer. I love my family. I love Thanksgiving. It's second only to Christmas. The worst part about Thanksgiving is having to watch the Detroit Lions. This year, they might be down to their third string quarterback. I, saw, I just I saw that plow plu. I don't his name? I don't know. And on the other side, you got Mitch Trubisky. Whew. Yuck. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. Mine, being a kid of uh, of divorce, mine's always been traveling to different places. Yes. I got to hit like four spots, or I used to. It's kind of slowed down a little bit, but I used to hit like three or four spots, and uh, that's that's the bad part. That's a bad part of it. Uh, that's really the only complaints I have other than my dad always asking to me to get another plate and ask if that's all I'm going to eat. He always does that because I have a pretty specific palate. He'll always, uh, ask me or my girlfriend to keep eating and just keep eating and keep eating and then try to give me pie. And that always kind of gets a little old. I'm just like, Hey, I'm an adult dad. I can uh, fix my plate. I know what I want to eat. I appreciate everybody. I'm thankful. Uh, but I would rather you just uh, keep your eyes on your own food, buddy. How about that? Yep. How about that, Pops? Can you watch your own food? Sounds good. <laughs> and now it's going to get bad because, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is going to be a lot different moving forward because uh, every year we get further from God's light and uh, we uh, will have to argue about what we did to the Native Americans. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. That will be the worst part about Thanksgiving moving forward. Mean people on the internet. It's pretty brutal. The pressure to feel like you have to go shopping? Um, I've never gone shopping on Black Friday. I have went once, and that's what my... She's downstairs right now, but my mother asked me if I would go shopping with her at like 5 or 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving. And then we'd come home and fix like a late dinner. And I was just mm-hmm. kind of had to say, yeah, sounds good, Mom. Because it's the holidays, you know, and you got you to take care of the yeah. people you love. So, I did uh, used to always feel so bad for my dad, like dropping them off. Yeah, so now I'll be uh, out there shopping, fighting the crowd. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that, that doesn't sound very fun, buddy. I'm sorry. I'll be at the, I'll be at the beach thinking about you. My my Thanksgivings have gotten so weird lately because I guess uh, I have a big extended family and we used to always get together on Thanksgiving, but now the the auntie who uh, used to have it at her house, like all of her kids now have a bunch of kids. So we've gotten cut and they don't put anything on anymore. So they always try to do it on the Saturday of the Vanderbilt game and I usually can't go because, I mean, at least the last three years I've had to work on that Saturday. So... I've have gotten I've gotten cucked out of my extended family Thanksgiving, which kind of sucks because they had some good food I liked. They had these best these big old muffin top rolls. Ah, oh, I loved them so much. You know which ones I'm talking about? The big ones with the big top yeah. on them. Yeah, they're good. Like it even sucks more because you had to watch us get 
ass hammered by Vandy. Yeah, I guess that's that's I guess that's true. But at least I didn't have to watch it with my family, who would then be talking to me about it. So I guess I got that going for me. Yeah. The last year we had something on Thanksgiving. I guess was right when uh, maybe it was the, maybe I did go to that Saturday edition and listen to my uh, my ten year old cousin talk about how his friends won't buy Madden anymore because the players don't stand for the national anthem. <laughs> So that was a fun conversation to have with a bunch of uh, rednecks. Yeah, that that didn't quite pan out, did it? No. No, no but I, uh, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, first of all, we appreciate you. Second of all, if some of your family kind of rubs you the wrong way and they kind of get on your nerves, guys, they're your family, and blood does run thicker than water. That's not true. That's not true. They're the only family you got. That's not true. You can have an internet mob of family members. Sometimes water is is thicker than blood. Sometimes Discord, bl- Sometimes you can take blood thinner, Seth, and your blood gets pretty thin. You ever think about that? The Discord notwithstanding. Hemophiliacs, you ever heard of those guys? I have. I feel like they got some thin blood. The Discord notwithstanding, and all Reed's Ranch patrons, we all love you. Like you are blood. Immediate family, agree. Distant family, extended family, you don't have to worry so much about that. Your internet family can be much closer to you than that, those guys. That's true, too. That's true, too. Bob asks, would you rather have a blowout over a team like Pittsburgh in the Belk Bowl or a blowout loss to a team like Michigan in the uh, Outback? Um, Is there something I'm missing here? Like, give me the eighth win. Yeah, I think if you're going to guarantee, I would rather say, would you rather have the blowout win over Pitt or roll the dice against a top-level team like Michigan or Penn State? I don't. If you guarantee the blowout loss, then I don't think anybody's taking that. But what if I told you you had a 35% chance of winning that game? Then I'll take Michigan. I'll take that game. I think we'd have a 35% chance of beating Penn State. Yeah, I do too. They don't have anything to play for. That's what I'm saying. And their quarterback's not very good. No, he's not. And ours is. And who knows? James Franklin might be at Florida State by then. Yep. I would take the Penn State Outback Bowl or Gator Bowl. Whichever. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, Bob, if you're going to guarantee a win and a loss, I'm always going to take the win. But uh, if you're going to give me a shot at the win, I will roll the dice. Uh, Michigan would probably beat us as like would West. I think Wisconsin would kill us. I don't want to play them. Uh, I would not feel good about watching our linebackers get ran over by them. Although maybe their running back would sit out for the NFL. Maybe we'd have a chance. Maybe some of their good players would sit out. That's pretty simple, right? Like, do you have a bowl opponent? T. Full ask if you'd rather have Michigan or Penn State. Do you have a bowl opponent you want to play? I think I would rather play Penn State than Michigan. Um, I mean, like, obviously, beating Michigan would be the best. But I think that the chances of beating Michigan are obviously far less than Penn State. No, I don't really have a bowl opponent. Like, I don't really, like, I mean, this is like, there's, you know, two sides to the coin, obviously. And, like, as cool as it would be to, like, go down there and whip Indiana, that isn't something that, like, gets me excited. Whereas, like, a game against Penn State, I'd probably be pretty excited about that game. Like, yeah, we might lose, but it's a good barometer, right? I don't know, man. I I found myself pretty excited about Iowa and Northwestern, too, though. 
Yeah. Just that those fringe top 25 teams that you know you're better than, that you go in actually favored four, yeah. five, six points over. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't, like, keep us from going and, you know, getting the hype out of control. So, like, I guess I still think we enjoyed those. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure, like, I would enjoy beating the hell out of Indiana. Don't get me wrong. Like, just the build-up to it, I think I would enjoy, like, like the excitement over, like, getting to play Penn State on New Year's Day would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. That's just one man's opinion. Chris asks, if you could win the East with eight games or win ten games next year, which would you rather do? Ten. Over winning the East with eight? Yeah, yeah. If we, if we go ten and two next year, we're going to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, and that means you have beaten at least two of Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Yeah, like if Tennessee didn't have a top five program at the beginning of the season next year, like, you know, it would be a little bit different because like going 10 and 2, like if you had BYU instead of Oklahoma isn't as big of a deal. But if you go and you beat one of two of Oklahoma, Georgia, two of Oklahoma, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, because I believe that's the order that we play them in next year. Um, Oklahoma, Florida, Bama, Georgia is the order. So, I think I would take that over going eight and four and winning the East. Like we would get we would get slaughtered in the SEC championship game. I'm guessing like it'd be nice to it'd be nice to win the East, but I think going ten and two and beating two of those four teams is more important for Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, because you like Gary Pinkle showed you you can win the East and then down years and it don't mean shit. No, it doesn't mean anything. Slim asked Seth, "What is your favorite rap song of all time?" Um, um, that's a great question. I saw this one and I tried to think and I really couldn't. Um, We're gonna sit here and wait, so I'm hungry. So I'd hope it, I'd appreciate if you would give me an answer. How about "Lose Yourself" by Eminem? I think that's an okay answer. Yeah, it's a good song, right? I think that's an okay answer. I'll allow it. Some people might make fun of you, but I think some people say, yeah, it's a good song. Thank you. Have you seen 8 Mile? Yes. Did you like it? Yes. What was your favorite part? Um, I don't know. One of the rap battles, I guess. It's been a long damn time. I've only, I've never like sat down and watched the whole thing beginning to end. Like I've seen yeah. like overlapping parts of it. I knew you had never seen it. You're a liar. No, I've seen it. You have to watch it from beginning to end to say that you've seen it. Oh, okay. Well, then you don't know the rules case, for what, when people ask you if you've seen something. I don't think I've like seen the opener of the movie. Well, that's the most important part. That's when he's spoiler alert chokes. That sets up the whole movie. It doesn't it even count. You have to see the beginning to know what's going on. I'll put. It's on my list. It's on my list. Ron asked, "Do you care about the Neyland Stadium capacity uh, on whether or not it drops below a hundred thousand, et cetera, et cetera?" Yes, I, I, I don't want it to drop below 100K. Like, this might be this might be a normie opinion that throws me in with the rednecks. That's fine. I want it six figures. Really? So you'd be upset if it went down to 98,000? Yes, keep it, keep it six figures. Is there a reason why? Because the bigger the better, baby. I want it big. I want it loud. I want it rocking. I don't care. What's it matter if only 98,000 people come, though? 
I don't care about these guys that discuss stocks and bonds are going to be more comfortable. In the what about me? Section. What about me being more comfortable? What about me? Like, what about, can we spread the seats out a little bit? Can we maybe get some chair backs on it? John, do you think I'm comfortable when I walk inside Neyland Stadium in those big crowds and I look around and I'm just thinking to myself, some guy with an with an AR-15 could mow us all down, and like I have a nervous, and I'm a nervous wreck, and I'm about to, I'm on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Do you think I'm comfortable? But no, I'm not. I still go in there. I want it loud and rowdy. You're a slender man. I'm I'm a big guy. There's a lot of big people in there. Now they could do with some wider seating. Well, that's what I'm say. saying. You take four thousand seats out, you make the other ones a little bit wider. I could use some wider seating. The last time we went, I sat next to some two people that were a lot bigger than me, and me and Kendall got stuck in between them, and I just couldn't even sit still. I couldn't even get comfortable because I'm all smushed together. I had to like lean to the side with like one shoulder in front of the other to make room. And I was like, I'm not coming back because we also got our ass kicked by Florida. I was like, I'm not coming back to where a top 15 team. Can we make the seats a little wider, please? That was not a fun game. And I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't hate like having a back on the seat. Like, can we get some backrest, maybe? No, that would be nice too. I would sacrifice four, five, six thousand seats as long as we stay above Georgia and uh, how many does this Florida hold? I think like low nineties. Right? Yeah, as long as we stay above those two, who cares? Stay number one in the East. Let's see, Ben Hill. Because we're already got passed by ninety k. Yeah, we already got passed by Texas A and M. We're not the biggest in the SEC anymore, and I'd imagine that all these stadiums are going to start shrinking. Yeah, I think so too. I don't care about the hundred thousand. I would prefer comfort. Like I don't want to like shrink, like take thirty thousand seats out or anything absurd, but like six thousand would we really miss them? I don't know. I guess not. Boomer asked, are Pruitt's in-game coaching decisions a yellow flag yet? Not red flag, just yellow flag. I think it's okay to be – we've already talked about them tonight. I mean, they're bad enough that, like, we're sitting here talking about them again. Like, I think it's concerning, but like you said, the only thing that matters is that he won. I will say that the game plans and the halftime adjustments outweigh my concerns for the clock management and stuff like that. Now, if he was if he was fucking up the halftime adjustments and the game plan was shit, then I would obviously be a lot more alarmed. I am not as alarmed because I think the game plans and the adjustments have been really good for the most part. I think this was seven straight games where the opponent has not scored on their first possession in the second half. I mean, the second half adjustment, the halftime adjustments have been pristine. Um, and that yeah, that definitely outweighs the the yellow flag clock mismanagement I mean it's not like he's out here being less miles you know we still got three points in a half we should just take we should have just gotten a shot at the end zone Gilbert asked if we were nine and three but still played as terrible against Florida uh as we did and the scores against Alabama and Georgia were the same would it make you feel a little worse than where we are or better I think he's saying if we got blown out by all three um if like the scores of those three games were the exact, if the, if the exact same games were played as they were, and we were sitting here at eight and three, as opposed to six and five, yes, I would feel better, because we were about to go for ten wins. We we're about to go for a ten win season. Um. Like yeah, the Florida game sucked. 
Of course it did. It's Tennessee, Florida. Um, you hung in there with Georgia for a little while, and you really went. You really hung in there with Alabama, and you beat everybody else. Yes, I would feel better. I mean, it, we would be on the cusp of a ten-win season. Yeah, he was just saying that. He's pointing to like how the talk's going to be about how the team was result. You know, had re- resolve and finished strong. But yeah, I think you still got to take the wins. I think th- I understand totally where he's coming from because if we were sitting there at nine and three, we'd probably be a little mad that we didn't win one of those three kind of thing. I understand totally where he's coming from, but like getting to ten wins would be cool, and like getting Pruitt above what it Butch ever did would be cool too. So, anything else before we go? Um, no. Big basketball tournament this weekend. Looking forward to Florida State. Looking forward to Florida State. Um. Lenardi has us as a four seed right saw, now. I saw that. Memphis, uh, that uh, what's his name? Quintos, I don't know. the hell, the point guard or whatever. He's out. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, he's out. You hate to see that. I mean, we have always been big Joe Lenardi stands. You know, Joe Lenardi has he successfully moved himself to the end of the line to the gallows. So good for Joe, giving us that four seed. Um, looking forward to regular season. Rick hoisting the trophy Saturday night. And Destin. It will be a great time. Are you going to that? You said you're going to the beach. Are you going to there? It's 100 miles away from where we're staying, so probably not. If we're in the championship, you'll be there? We were thinking about going on Friday, but my dad has decided he doesn't want to. I would rather go on Friday because we're, we're not staying. Like, the girls went down yesterday. I'm not going down. I got until, you. So, we're leaving Saturday, so... All right, man. Well, have a happy Thanksgiving. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Tighten up. I will be heading to Indianapolis this weekend to go and uh, beat the hell out of the Colts. Are you? uh, So you have fun at the beach. I will be going further north to get cold. I love you too, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thankful. I'm thankful for all our patrons. I really am.
The only thing I needed was reason to be cautious. If I call it like I see it, then I would say I'm starting to become a decent human being without losing my monster. I started at the beginning. How that matters is the common ground that we live in and getting this bread like the pop pigeon. How far to go? I never paid attention. When I with you, I can't complete any biggest small mission. Right now we have to stop somewhere. How far to go? I don't care. Just when I thought you leave me blue, you come around out of nowhere. A hundred million people just to smother the mood. I had to bleed to get them all out the room. But then there were two. 